This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstown. Hello, and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and this is the show where you get baseball. You get baseball, you get sports, you get whatever. Speaking of sports, happy NFL Thursday to each and every one of you. If you enjoy the game of football, today is your Christmas. I'm very excited tonight. You got the Buffalo Bills taking on the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. It's going to be a great game. But before we get to any of that, we got to do our baseball due diligence. Of course, one of my very favorite people on White Sox Twitter is Nick Murawski of the Good Guys Talk Back podcast and, of course, Locked on Sox, which he does great every single day. Of course, I'm going to welcome him on right now. He is my favorite person. Nick, how are we doing? Vinny, thank you so much. Appreciate you having me. You know, I mean, I say it all the time. You probably think I'm creepy at this point. It's my favorite content on White Sox Twitter. It's not even close. No, even more than my that. own. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And it's uh, there's been some good stuff to talk about lately. Absolutely. So, you know, referring to that good stuff, they've been winning a lot lately. Last time I had you on, I looked. It was in, I want to say it was July 20th. It was, it was a middle of a tough stretch and not great times. Since then, All-Star break comes. They start playing a little okay. Then they have that rough stretch like two weeks ago where they're playing the Arizona Diamondbacks at home. They get swept. They really don't look competitive in any of the games except for the one that Dylan C started and they blew it. Then Tony LaRusso is all of a sudden gone. We pray that it's okay and he's okay. Obviously, any criticism that comes from my mouth on Tony LaRusso is just strictly baseball business. We root for him to return properly. But do you agree that things feel different now that Miguel Cairo has taken over? Absolutely. Um, and it's not just uh, how they've been playing and the way that they've been winning, uh, especially, you know, taking care of business in game one of the last few series, which has been a breath of fresh air. But it's also what the players have been saying, you know, reading some of Liam Hendricks quotes, uh, you, you don't have to read between the lines. Uh, there's a different energy. There's a different attitude. And I don't put a lot of stock in the in the players meeting that they had by that Royal series. I get it. That was, you know, them to just kind of clear the air. Let's get back to having fun. But I, I really put a lot of stock in the fact that Miguel Cairo is in charge. I, I don't know how great he is of a manager. I think he's still trying to figure that out. But something has definitely changed. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They started winning. Last time I had you on, Dylan Cease was in the beginning stages of what felt like could be a breakout season for him. But in the three months since you've been on, things have just taken itself to a whole new level. This man is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. I don't think there's anybody in the world, no matter what fan you're a team, what team you're a fan of, you're going to argue with it. Then all of a sudden he plays against Verlander, who's his one-on-one -on -one competition for the Cy Young Award. The White Sox win that game. Now Verlander's on the IL, and in Cease's three most recent – or, yeah, yes, three most recent starts. He's given up three hits, two hits, and one hit. That kind of makes it seem like tonight's going to be the no-hitter. Hopefully, maybe, probably not. But do you think he's the leader for Cy Young as of right now, or do you still have Verlander with the slight edge? I guess it depends on the certain numbers that folks are looking at specifically when they're voting. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, also there's something about the, how the team does, how the team possibly finishes. We've looked, we've seen that with MVP candidates as well. There might have been in the past guys that were more deserving, but their team, you know, wasn't successful. Um, Cease has got a great opportunity right now with Verlander uh, hurt and, the thing that I, I loved seeing, you know, obviously there's so many things to talk about with his near uh, no hitter uh, last Saturday. What, 
he was a guy that I just didn't think was ever going to get close to a no hitter because the amount of pitches that he throws in a game. I mean, he sometimes will have 70 pitches after four innings and you just know he's got great stuff, but he's not going to be able to stay out there. And that outing on Saturday, you know, he realized what Minnesota was doing to him. They, he, they were swinging early. They didn't want to get deep into account. His pitch count ended up, uh, you know, being very manageable. And, and now he, I think he, you know, he's growing as a pitcher. It's a huge confidence boost. Uh, so I, I'm excited about this Oakland game. Yeah, me too. And Oakland has a offense that doesn't necessarily put up the runs in a way that a Minnesota lineup can. He's not facing a Carlos Correa or a Luis Arise this time around. I mean, I'm not poo-pooing Oakland's players. They're all in the major leagues for a reason, even though their record's not that great. But when I look at Dylan Cease, I think of a guy like Michael Kopech, who is kind of in a spot where Cease once was, where it's like, wow, when this guy's on his stuff is magnificent, like chef's kiss. And then there are games where he gets hit around a little bit and he's unlike seats kind of struggles, knock on wood, unlike seats kind of struggles with injury from here, here to there. Do you think what I think in the fact that I believe Kopech can be one, a one B with Dylan Cease at the top of this rotation to be considered one of the stars amongst the pitching ranks. He has the stuff. There is no doubt about it. We we saw a small sample size, a couple games this past year uh, against the Yankees, uh, even against Houston. He pitched really well in Houston. I can't fault him for the home runs that he gave up. Uh, the, the problem with obviously health, you got to stay healthy, but the problem is just that repeatable motion. And you saw it uh, in the game against the Mariners uh, yesterday on Wednesday, he just couldn't find the arm slot. Now he's been on the shelf for a little while, and that's the problem. You know, if you stop, start, stop, start uh, during a year because of injuries, and thankfully it was just kind of legs this this time around. Still a big deal, but uh, at least it's not an arm. Um, you know, it, you saw fastballs flying out of the zone, couldn't find the arm slot on the breaking ball. Uh, but everything he said after the game was, "Hey, I felt good." You know, and it's just he's got a string together. Uh, a few months where he does not have to take uh, he doesn't have to step away and on the IL or anything like that. I think it's going to happen eventually. You know, he's got crazy, crazy good stuff, tons of life on his fastball. And it's just a matter of of gaining the confidence, uh, the maturity. We, we saw it in Dylan Cease. You know, he would get uh, years ago, he would get roughed up a little bit. He'd give up some walks. He'd give up some hits, runs, whatever. And he didn't have the outing that he'd like, and it just snowballed on him. And uh, Kopech has done such a great—he's um, done such great work um, in the off season, you know, mental health and just taking care of himself, uh, physically, mentally. I, I think he's in a good spot if he can just—he's got to stay healthy, though. What have you made of the recent power surge that has come from the bat of Gavin Sheets? He really kind of brought it all together in the Baltimore series. And you wondered if he had just the hometown adrenaline. Like if I ever played against the White Sox, would that be the greatest series I ever had? I think it would. Like, is it kind of the same thing with him? Or do you see him being like a real force in this lineup from the left side moving forward? Well, that that's a that is a great question for the offseason. Um, I, I don't think he's the answer in right field. I hope the front office uh, doesn't force that to be the issue. Um, so he, it's a curious case, you know, with the way Aloy Jimenez has been hitting in the DH spot. Uh, the Sox have a, there's a log jam of guys that can play maybe outfield, maybe first base and DH specifically with sheets, you know, just reading his statements uh, over the months uh, about the progress he made when he was sent down. And, and learning to take outside pitches, take them to left field, not having to drive everything, finding his pitch, and then working off of that, uh, the discipline, right? That takes a lot of discipline and, and understanding of what a pitcher is doing to you. And if you're trying to cover the entire plate, you've got no chance. Uh, you know what? If you're, if you're getting pitched outside, live to see another day, take that to the opposite field. He has done that. Uh, and then wait for a pitcher to make a mistake. You know, it seems like middle in uh, and then drive that, which he has done uh, over the wall in right field. You touched on Eloy Jimenez a little bit. And to me, I see Eloy as a slightly more advanced hitter version of Michael Kopech. I think he can be a game changing 
35, 40 home run type of guy who has the most incredible slash line that you can ask for in a three, four, five hitter, wherever you slot him based on the lineup. If he could stay healthy and people are talking about trading him when he's hurt and like all that sort of stuff, I think trading him could be an ultimate disaster because he could go somewhere else and just be healthy all year long and do what he's been doing this last week. Do you share this agreement with me, or would you be open to exploring moving on from Eloy because of the injury issues? And I know nobody on this team should be untouchable. Wayne Gretzky was traded in his prime. like, But I share, like, it better be a damn good package in return. Yeah, again, with the core six um, and and the logjam that I talked about uh, and – there's some constraints, obviously, you know, in terms of money of what they're actually going to be able to to spend this offseason. There, there's some big questions. Aloy Jimenez's performance post All-Star break is making it very difficult on the front office on what to do. And it sure seems like they want to keep him healthy, not putting him out there in left field, which I think is the right thing to do. Uh, and Aloy Jimenez has said, you know, in, you know, in articles, Hey, it's very difficult to play a game or two games and then have to take a break because of my legs and, and sit down. Like I, I want to play every day. I want to get into a rhythm. There, there's something to that to build up the momentum. And we've seen Aloy Jimenez in the lineup pretty consistently uh, over the last you know month or so. Um, it, he's effortless. His swing is effortless. The ball just jumps. Uh, in the alleys, uh, you know, he's not just a home run hitter. He can hit to, uh, you know, all fields. I, I hate to say it. He just sometimes feels like a man without a home, though, uh, when you talk position. It, it's just a matter of what are the sacks going to do? What are they going to do with Abreu? What are they going to do with Sheets? What, what is their plan with upgrading defensively in the outfield? Uh, but, yeah, it, it would you would have to figure I, – I don't know – what kind of package, you know, they would even entertain for Aloy Jimenez. And I, and I hate that we're even saying that, but something's got to give this off season. I'm just appreciating what he's doing right now. And I hope it continues. Same. What have you made of the way the White Sox have handled Luis Robert with his wrist injury and he's playing this game, he's swinging with one hand, he's playing that game, he gets hit on it. And then he doesn't swing at two pitches that Luis Robert usually tries to take to Pluto. It seems interesting to me. I'd like your take on it. Yeah, that was troubling watching him swing uh, with one hand a, a while back and and why he was still in the lineup doing that. I have no idea. Um, I, I think Tony LaRusso put a lot of value in what players said to him. It happened with the Kopech knee issue in Kansas City. and uh, but, but what you're seeing with your eyes is a completely different situation. Of course, a player is going to say, I'm good. I'm good. I want to be out there. And everything that Robert has said uh, is like, I, I can't wait to get back to the lineup. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, you know, that was a, just a tough situation. Him getting in, hit in the hand the other day, uh, just the wrong person, the wrong part of the body. Uh, classic 2022 White Sox situation there. Right. Um, I, you know, he's got to be right. You know, and if that means putting him on a 10 day IL or 15, whatever, whatever you can do with him uh, right now, I, I can't have him be even like 60 percent, because then if he injures something uh, to a greater scale, the way this season is going right now and the way the Sox are playing and what their schedule has uh, is in front of them, we're going to need him down the stretch, a healthy Luis Roberts. So I'm willing to sacrifice some of these games against Oakland. You know, I, I hate to say softer competition. I mean, there is no soft competition, but may, maybe take a break. Wait for these Cleveland, Minnesota games. Those are the games that we're really going to need, uh, you know, full strength. Johnny Cueto has been an absolute revelation for the Chicago White Sox this season. He's got better numbers than Robbie Ray, okay, who is probably the top free agent pitcher. It's hard to argue that Carlos Rodon has been – worse than Cueto this season because all the strikeouts that he piles up and he's been amazing too but if you had to pick someone with based on their numbers only Cueto would be near the top do you think he could keep this going for the rest of the September month and possibly hopefully fingers crossed into October I don't see why not um you know you I've watched him we all have watched him it's it's you know, must see TV when he pitches. The amount of quality starts that he's been able to string together, 
uh, and you hear about his, you know, in between starts workouts and what he puts himself through and in, in the training. And I just love the way he pitches, you know, the stutter windup, the, the quicks, the, uh, the slide step, you know, the hitchy keeping players off balance. And, you know, maybe the amount of time that he has spent in the national league, uh, there aren't a lot of American league players that have maybe seen him. And that could definitely help what he's able to provide to the current staff is a big deal, too. They are watching this guy at his age not blow people away with a 98 mile per hour fastball, not necessarily get the double digit strikeouts in a game, but pitch to contact, contact, keep hitters off balance. And how about him in the field, too? He can field his position. He is a commander out there. He is pointing where the throw should go. He's backing up bases to the best that he possibly can. I mean, he is Mr. Fire and Swagger. You know, I, you, you got to give him a lot of credit also for speaking up as a veteran and saying something's not right here uh, in, in this clubhouse, in this organization. We're missing something. And it shouldn't be this way with the talent that we have. I like that as well. Yeah, he's been outstanding. I love watching him pitch, as you said, throwing off batters. And a position player version of him, I keep saying that phrase, a position player version of him has been Elvis Andrews. And to come in, and you're not just replacing any old Joe Schmo, right? Like, you're taking Tim Anderson's spot right now. He's the face of the franchise, not having the greatest season he's ever had, but he's still around a 300 hitter, going to do what he does with his on base and at the top of the lineup, everybody likes Tim Anderson. Elvis Andrews has been a outstanding they think he's been the leadoff hitter in every game but one that Miguel Cairo has made the lineup and it was the very first one that La Russa probably made the lineup anyway and I've just been obsessed with watching what he's done for this team defensively and with his bat yeah uh you know you, you've got the Cueto situation and then you look at Elvis Andrews and uh so ha- I mean I'm so happy Oakland was in the situation that they were in to to get rid of a guy like Elvis Andrews Perfect timing, uh, needed a, some a middle infield help defensively, veteran presence. Uh, in the in the game stuff, I love to watch too. The amount of times that he will leave the shortstop, walk over to the mound, have a mini little conversation about, hey, what's going on here? You know, wh- where should I be? Or this is maybe something you want to think about, uh, especially in that uh, Mariners series, because coming from Oakland, he's seen the Mariners quite a bit. Uh, he's come up with some timely hits as of late and flashing the leather. Uh, wow. And, and I just, you know, he's his, the quotes he have, has said too. Uh, you have to listen when he talks, you know, he, he brings, uh, he brings some veteran uh, leadership and experience. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, once Tim Anderson comes back, that's going to be a, an interesting question. If Tim Anderson can come back in late September, uh, Tim Anderson isn't going to win a gold glove at shortstop and that's not taking anything away from him. Uh, you know, it's just, he is here for his offense. He is here to spark at the top of the lineup. I think Tim Anderson has gotten a lot better over the years, but I, what do you do? Do you, how do you, how do you figure, you know, Andrew is still in this uh, lineup because there's something special going on with him. Are you worried about Lucas Giolito? I am worried that this is kind of a lost season for him. Um, He, you know, he, he put on the weight, he put on the muscle. I think it changed his uh, mechanics. Uh, It's forced some injuries. I think he is trying to reinvent himself on the fly in a season. And that is very difficult to do no matter what position. I mean, if you're trying to reconstruct your swing within a season, now think about it from a pitching perspective. standpoint in terms of mechanics and everything and he's not getting the results and he's seeing guys around him that I know he's rooting for but he's the guy that I think was supposed to have the ace like numbers in his mind and and that's got to be you know as a competitor like him I think he's in a good mental space you know he's saying the right things he too has worked really hard you know on just mental awareness in the offseason his uh, temper and his anger can sometimes be uh, the Achilles heel. And there's been a lot of that, unfortunately, uh, in some of his starts where, 
things starting getting off the rails and you could see the look or the defense isn't playing the way they should be. And you could kind of see the body language. Uh, but from what he has said recently, it just seems like he's kind of whoops. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have put that weight on or, or did, or, you know, built up my muscle the way I did. And now I need to get back to how I used to be. And that takes time. And it's, it, we're watching the results in real time, something that we would have seen in the off season or spring training. And when you get to the playoffs, 90% of the teams, they shorten up to a, a four man rotation. Does Giolito move to the bullpen? Cause he's got to be the, the, the fifth man out, right? Yeah. I, 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 Hey, if it's, if the playoffs started right now, I, I don't think I would want to see Giolito in a, in a short series like that. Um, and again, it, it's, you got to go with a hot hand. You got to go with the, the pitchers that are in a groove and, and that shifts, you know, something might change in mid September or in late September. And it's how guys are feeling, how their arm is feeling, you know, what their workload has been like, but also course results you know that 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 builds confidence uh, that gets you in a groove there's the momentum there that we didn't really have in 2021 that we're hoping to have uh, this year and yeah Giolito right now would be the odd man out in my mind would you ever consider I know this is kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of it but like piggybacking Kopech and Giolito in a playoff start because like you never know what you're going to get from Michael and then if he goes four or five innings then you could bring in Giolito like I don't know I'm trying to piece together my playoff roster even though there's still two games out and we'll get to that in a second here but I mean yeah I'm trying to think why not uh you know in in terms of the playoffs Vinny you know like anything goes uh you know you're you're asking people to do things that they might not normally do you know uh, in different pitch hitting situations and, and with a way you can construct a, uh, a rotation uh, or a game, you know, with maybe an opener, it, it's, it's all about like, it's survival. It's surviving and advancing. And it's going to be uh, sometimes non-traditional, uh, but you're just hoping a guy like Giolito, if he's asked to do that hypothetically, uh, that he would be comfortable because you don't want to put a guy in a situation that he's definitely not going to be uncomfortable. And we saw that with Carlos Rodon a couple of years ago in that 2020 uh, series against Oakland. He was in a situation that he just wasn't supposed to be in. And uh, that that series still haunts me. But uh, yeah, I mean, if Giolito wants to be part uh, of this playoff experience, hopefully this playoff experience, he might have to take on a role he's not used to. Absolutely. And so speaking of that, did you happen to catch any of the games between the Minnesota Twins and New York Yankees yesterday and or Kansas City Royals versus Cleveland Guardians? You know, I'm keeping my eye on all of that right now. Um, you know, and I, I hate to be watching scoreboards. You know, I, I, I obviously the Sox have got to take care of their own business, get their house in order. But Man, my eyes are, are watching highlights. I'm keeping my I'm refreshing, you know, uh, scores. And hey, the, the twins and guardians are going to be playing each other while we are trying to take care of business in Oakland. So th this is exciting, Vinny, isn't it? I mean, coming down here with 25 games left, the way things are starting to shake out, four more with the guardians, what, six more with the twins. Uh, this is fun. Absolutely. And I was trying to explain it the other day, like I'm 27, right? And I know a lot of the Sox fans vary ages all over the place. So some older folks have seen them make the playoffs a little bit more than I have, but I'm like, okay, 2005, they were in it at, on what's today, September 8th, on September 8th, 2005, 06, they won 90 something games and just yep. came up short. 08, they made it. Uh, 12, they were in it, fell right off right at the end. And then 2021 and 22 like that is not a lot of years where the White Sox are on September 8th watching other scoreboards and yeah is it sucked compared to what we thought going into the season yes but hey Nick it's not often that the White Sox have been uh, a team that has a chance to make it in September mid-September and then once you're in the dance, like you never know the Nationals in 2019 or the Braves last season there are plenty of other examples in previous years just got to get in right yeah, I, I've, I've said this to some folks recently. Um, the Sox should have been buried a long time ago. Uh, Cleveland and Minnesota should have buried the White Sox. The Sox have no business uh, being in this situation than they are right now with the way that they were playing. Uh, they've been given new life. They have, they have, you know, there's a spark. There's, there's a new energy. 
things have changed now and we're seeing the results. And I feel like, hey, the Sox have to take advantage of this. Like, thank you. We're only a couple games back. We have to take advantage of this right now. Absolutely. And does that to you kind of speak to everyone says talent, talent, talent. They got so much talent. Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson. Like, does that speak to that to you? Or is it kind of a combination of you're lucky and even though you're having this atrocious season, you're still in the mix because you have players who can make a difference sometimes? Yeah, you got to have the luck. Uh, There's so much to say about chemistry. You know, how many times have we've seen teams in a variety of different leagues formed as a super team? You know, we've got so much talent. It's like an all-star team. Uh, We we should be able to get through easily uh, to the championship. And it doesn't work out. Uh, There's something to be said about having the right pieces that fit, that complement each other. You know, there aren't any egos. Everybody is backing up one another for the greater goal. Uh, You're starting to see that a lot lately, you know, and I I think there's that grinding spirit uh, that we saw in the first game of the Twins series where Lopez really woke up the White Sox with what he did against Vaughn. And uh, you, Lance Lynn coming out and, and, you know, all the pitchers in step. Uh, and then that first game in the Seattle series and then the book and the last game in the Seattle series, just games where things dipped in the game, you know, bummer gives up a home run, but the Sox just keep battling and they come back. That's refreshing to see here on September 8th. Absolutely. You touch on chemistry, this team right here, the San Diego Padres, they get Juan Soto. All of a sudden, the chemistry's off. So many stars. On the, it's not just about building an all-star team and putting it on the field. You got to get it done. So, Nick, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. Before we let you go, and before I have you uh, promote yourself, I got two questions, quick answers, put you on the spot. Do the White Sox pull it off and make the playoffs? And the second one's kind of hard. Do you have Judge or Otani for the MVP? Uh, Sacks are going to win the division. They'll win the AL Central. Um, it's going to be close, but they're going to win it. Um, uh, Otani, um, uh, he's he's. We're watching something that I don't know if we'll ever see ever again. Uh, it's it's fascinating. Nick, I expected you to disagree with me on at least one of the two <laughs> questions there, and you agreed with me on both. I, I think the Sox can do this. We got the A's, and really the toughest team left is these Padres who are struggling and the Guardians, but. Then Otani. I mean, yeah, he's got 20 less home runs than Judge. I don't care. He's got 30-something home runs and an under-3 ERA. Get out of here. I, I, I love Judge, too. I hate poo-pooing on him. There's Yankee hate. No, I don't hate the Yankees. I like every team except the Cubs. Like, you know, I just – I'm Otani. I'm Team Otani. Yeah, it, so, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, Nick, tell everyone where they can find you and where they can listen to you, read you, whatever you got going on. Absolutely. So uh, two podcasts. One's a weekly podcast. That is Good Guys Talk Back. Uh, and we're on Twitter at Good Guys TV. You can find that podcast absolutely everywhere. And uh, uh, the Daily White Sox podcast that's Locked on White Sox. Again, free, available everywhere uh, at Locked on Sox. And I am on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. Nick, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. It's a pleasure every single time, and I can't wait till we could do it again. Absolutely, Vinny. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Go Sox, my friend. Go Sox, Nick. We will see you later, and we will send everyone to a quick commercial break. On the latest, Buffon 55, wide receivers was a big topic. These guys can all catch the football. They can catch the football. They're not guys that have balls bouncing off their chest and bad hands off their helmet, anything like that. They can track a football and catch a football. The great quarterbacks can, you know, really help help the players out. So we'll see what Justin can do with this group. And he even said he can win with this group of receivers. So I, I like that last user comment that people uh, they kind of confuse unproven with bad. And that's that's not the case. I I, I think that the unproven just means unproven. Yeah, people are conflating unproven with bad by uh, Eric Bono. Buffon 55, the John Buffon Show with Alyssa Barbieri and guest Clay Harbor. Available on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Just search Barroom Network. Need a little help with your sports betting? Well, the Barroom Network is here to help. On Saturdays, it's weekend sports betting tips with John Santucci and Anthony from PoundItSports.com. And then on Sunday, it's the Mike North Advantage with the great Mike North. 
Best way to stay on top of things is subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel. Welcome back to Crosstown Crosstalk. Nick Murawski, one of my favorite guests that I could possibly have on this show. Locked on socks is wonderful. It's just a nice little daily recap of what's going on in the land of the White Sox. And I can't thank him enough for coming on. Make sure you follow him on Twitter.com and read, listen, subscribe to all of his great content. He's amazing. We touched the last question, the American League MVP. It is one of the hottest debates going on in the baseball world right now. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know where I stand on it. And for a long time, I was sitting there wondering, like, okay, is Aaron Judge actually going to pull this off? Like, can he win the MVP? Kind of had it robbed from him by Altuve in that weird 2017 season. You all know about what went on there. I can't. I cannot give it to Judge. If I had a vote, I don't. Maybe one day. I can't vote for Judge over Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, in my opinion male or female, is the greatest athlete in the world right now at their sport. He hit he hit his 33rd home run last season. 33rd! Okay? Judge has 55. That's amazing. I hope he breaks Roger Maris's single-season American League record. Okay? I hope he does. I truly do. But I don't care if Judge hits 70 home runs and Otani only hits 40. I don't care. He hit 40 home. He's going to hit 40 home runs. Maybe he'll probably be like 37, 38. If he gets really hot. Well, he is really hot. If he stays really hot, he might get to 40, but the dude is going to come in fourth place for the American league. Cy Young, in my opinion, he would get the fourth place vote. In my opinion, I would go Verlander or cease. It depends how September finishes. I think they're neck and neck. And then Shane McClanahan of the Tampa Bay Rays is in um, third place, kind of a distant third place now. He was in the lead probably last time Nick was on this podcast. I And Otani would be fourth. And Skyler says Otani is my vote too. Yeah, I mean, he's just unbelievable what he does. And not only – people always, oh, he's the pitcher that can hit home runs. He doesn't just hit home runs. He's got like 20-something doubles. Okay, his slash line is incredible. Oh, and he's also a magnificent base stealer. He's fast as heck. He's literally like 10. He's Billy Hamilton, Aaron Judge, and Dylan Cease all in one player. I mean, my goodness. How do you not give that guy the MVP? If you're the second best hitter, which I think he trails – it was either Schwarber, Goldschmidt, Arenado. They're all in that like low 30s home run mix for second in the league behind Judge, who's at 55. If you're the second or third best home run hitter, a top five actual hitter, and a top four Cy Young finisher, that's the MVP in my opinion. I'm sorry. It's not like he's great at hitting and good at pitching. He's great at both. He's elite at both. Pitcher Otani would be able to sign a $300 million contract and hitter Otani would be able to sign a $300 million contract. Now, nobody's ever going to give him $600 million. That's Otani's fault for being good at both things. He's never going to be paid his true value on the major league market. But, I mean, people are like, oh, well, him and Judge are close in war. Yeah, because Judge is magnificent with his bat. The reason Otani is there is because he's elite at both. And he's the only player to ever do it. Well, are you going to give Shohei Otani the MVP every year? If he does this, yes. Absolutely. Does LeBron James deserve the MVP every year? Well, he did win in his prime, and he pretty much did win it every time. You know, Michael Jordan. Is it tiresome to give it to the same guy over and over again? Sure. But what is deserved is what is deserved. And Otani's the best player in the league. He's the most valuable player. But the Angels suck and the Yankees are good. I have an argument for that too. 
In baseball, one player influences the outcome of a game less than any other sport. Any other sport. You can only hit when it's your turn in the lineup, one through nine. And you can only field when the ball is hit to you. Or if you're a pitcher, you can control the defense that way. Otani's a pitcher who can control the defense and be a top five hitter in the game. I don't care how bad the Angels are. A couple days, I think it was yesterday, him and Trout hit a home run. The Angels lost four to three. They suck. That's not Otani's fault. If Otani had an ERA under one and 50 home runs, the Angels would still suck. Like, what more do you want from Otani? Judge didn't stop hitting home runs when the Yankees have one of the worst. I believe since the All-Star break, the Yankees have the worst record in the American League East. That's when Judge has been the hottest. But because they were so good in the first half of the season, we're just going to ignore that? No, that doesn't fly with me. Shohei Otani, MVP of the American League. I'm sure there will be plenty of debate and discussion on this show from now until the end of the season. But Otani just keeps finding ways to impress me. Everything he does, it's like the last time this happened, a guy named Buddy McFarkle did it in 1902 for the Cleveland Spiders. Really? Otani's doing like the first stuff ever, and he's the most generational talent we've ever seen. And people always say, we'll never see anything like this again. I think Nick said that. I think it's possible that we never see it again, but I'm counting on seeing it again. I really am. People might think I'm crazy. The human race never really fails to surprise me in every way, but specifically in the way of sports, I never thought I'd see anybody as talented with their arm as Aaron Rodgers. And then comes Patrick Mahomes. Okay. And, and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are all kind of like showing me similar stuff. Okay. I never thought there would be somebody who can win as much as um, Tom Brady. Well, Joe Burrow came two minutes short of winning the Super Bowl last year, but in the last three years, he's won a college national championship and won a um, AFC title. Okay, is he going to win seven Super Bowls? Probably not, but could Patrick Mahomes already has one, been in two other Super Bowls or one other Super Bowl. Can he win seven? Seven might be a stretch, but can he win five? Maybe. I mean, so every single time I think that that's not coming again, it comes again. Like Michael Jordan. There's never going to be another Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, close enough to at least think somebody can be as good as them or, as, or Michael one day. Why not? We're not going backwards as a human race in terms of our athletic development. We're going forward. So I do believe there will be another Otani one day. And now that Otani exists, there are going to be plenty of other very good hitters that don't stop pitching when they get to high school. Now, that you got to think of that too. I want to be like Otani. Okay, son. How, think about when you were in Little League. If you're watching this and you played Little League, how many times did, were the best pitcher on your team also the best athlete who was the best hitter? Happens all the time. But then they make you choose one. Ain't nobody made Otani choose one. Even Oscar Colas, the number two prospect in the White Sox system, he was Cuban Otani, and then he stopped pitching. They make these guys stop. Eventually, they're not going to make them stop. If you are in, if you're going into high school, and you can hit fastballs to Pluto, and you could throw a hundred, why quit either one? Why? That makes no sense. Does every pitcher in the world have a finite number of pitches in their arm? Yes. Eventually, pitching will probably be the one that he stops first. I do see a world 2030 or whatever year where Otani's just now the designated hitter of his team. He doesn't pitch anymore. That's probably a possibility. He's already had Tommy. But when he had Tommy, he still hit. Like, that's the thing. I There's no reason for there not to be more gifted athletes in the future. And every time I think I've seen the last of something, something better comes along the line all these years later. Uh, now I think Mahomes is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. It used to be Aaron Rodgers. Before that, it was Peyton Manning. Tom Brady's the greatest winner amongst them all, which makes him the GOAT in my opinion. 
I, I think the world of Otani, I'm going to be, I'm going to spoil Otani's name for a lot of people. Cause I'm just going to keep talking about him. I'm going to buy a shirt. They had a shirt at the local Meyer. It was only like 20 bucks. I'm going to go back and get one. I really like Otani. I'm going to keep wearing it proudly. Um, our next order of business, the Chicago Cubs, they are an interesting team. If I was a Cubs fan, I'd be rather happy with the way the second half of the season has gone. Um, you're not winning lots of games. Okay. You're going to finish with one of the worst records in the national league, but that doesn't matter. Only the Reds have a worst of it over or do the pirates have a worse record than them now in the NL central. I don't think that really matters. I'm not caring about, I'm, if I'm the Cubs or a Cubs fan or a Cubs supporter, Cubs scout, I'm not really, I'm just kind of treating every game the rest of the season, like preseason. And they're winning one nothing on YouTube TV as of right now. It's a free game on YouTube TV. I actually kind of like those YouTube games sometimes. It's a fresh new way to watch baseball. They're winning one nothing over the Reds. But you're kind of treating the rest of their season like preseason in football. You don't care what the Bears win against the Chiefs. You care like how Justin Fields plays and who this guy developing and the rapport on offense. I feel the same way about the Cubs with the rest of their season. Don't be worried about, oh, Pittsburgh fell way below them. Pittsburgh wasn't third at one point. Now the Cubs are in third. The Cubs are going to finish the season as a third-place team. Uh, the funny thing is the Pittsburgh Pirates are officially got an E next to their name. The Cubs' tragic number is three. So any combination of a win or a loss equaling three by the Cardinals or the Cubs, they will be mathematically eliminated from postseason contention. I did not realize they were 2-8 and eight in their last 10, but – I've been impressed with the way some of their guys are playing. Nick Madrigal has been a revelation in the second half. He could be their starting second baseman going forward. They might flip him if they get one of the elite shortstops hitting the market this season, move Nico Horner, who I think could be elite, to second base. Say Suzuki's not as good as Otani at hitting, but he's very good. Okay, he's going to hit home runs for the team. Like, is he a long-term number six hitter? Maybe, but that's really good. Like, you're the Cubs. You got him a year early. It doesn't matter. I think there is a world where the Cubs are good next year. I do. Now, do I think they're going to win the World Series or even the uh, NL Central? Maybe not. But they'll. I think they're going to be a competing wildcard level team next season. And they need to be better at developing pitching. Even the World Series team, they didn't draft or develop any of their own pitchers. Lester, free agent. Lackey, free agent. Um, Arietta trade. Kyle Hendricks trade, which Hendricks, he was a prospect trade, but like most of his development came with the Texas Rangers organization. The Cubs need to be better at that. I'll admit that. But I don't hate the way the second half of the season has gone. So that's really all I have on the Cubs. Um, baseball season is really getting hot. There are some intense, intense races down the stretch. Two days ago, the Atlanta Braves finally caught the New York Mets. And it is not a bad it, – it's a bad look for the Mets optically. But when you think about it, they have a 600 winning percentage in the same span that the Braves were the best team in the National League. And that 600 winning percentage needed to be a 700 winning percentage in order for the Mets to avoid the Braves. So it's really more hot Braves than it is bad Mets. It's completely more hot Braves than it is bad Mets. I think both teams are elite. They're two of the four best teams in the National League, in my opinion, along with the St. Louis Cardinals and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Braves-Mets playoff series would be must-see TV. I don't know who's going to win the division. I have vested interest in both of those teams. I have friends who are fans of each team passionately, and I have no horse in the race other than I've been to Atlanta a lot more, and I like Atlanta, so I kind of lean Braves a little bit. But at the same time, if the Mets won, I would not even be slightly disappointed. Um, that's a cool fan base. It's an interesting fan base. The sky's falling every day on the New York Mets fan base. They could be 110, and they would still they'd find something wrong with their team. But uh, that's the most intriguing race to me. And then Philly's right behind both of them. Ne not going to catch either of them for the division, but they are in the wild card race. And with the bats that they have in their lineup, Philly, I think they can be like a team you don't want to play against in the first round. If we're talking national league postseason, if that's who the St. Louis Cardinals match up against, 
It's going to be some fireworks in that series between Arenado, Goldschmidt, Schwarber, Castellanos if he stays healthy, uh, JT Real Muto. Like there, there's so many good players hanging out around there. So the National League playoff scene is going to be really cool in my opinion. And the American League is just about wrapping up. The only real intrigue is the AL Central, who's going to win it between the White Sox, Twins, and Guardians. Um, I'm not sure. But the two teams that don't win it are not going to make the playoffs, I don't believe. Because the three wildcard teams in the American League for me are Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Toronto. I don't think Baltimore is going to make it. They're a year short. Next year they'll be really good, I think. And they'll probably make some acquisitions in the offseason, if I had to guess, similar to the Mariners a year before them. And then the division winners are one of those three I named for the Central, and then the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. There's a chance the Rays catch the Yankees, but, man, the Yankees just own the Minnesota Twins. They just own them. They have no chance. So it's an interesting time. Baseball, I highly recommend keeping up. Um, I'm tweeting about every team basically these days. I normally only tweet about the White Sox and the Cubs, but lately I've been tweeting Cardinals, Braves, Angels. Um, I, I love it all, and I'm keeping up with all of it. The Los Angeles Dodgers are the greatest lineup I've ever seen, one through nine. But Walker Buehler's out for the season. They're ace. So a lot of people think they can – there's a weakness there now. Their starting pitching is good, great, but it's not – like missing Walker Buehler's is an extreme disadvantage. And you know you're going to have Urias and Kershaw, but May, but the Los Angeles Dodgers can hit their way out of a lot of problems, and we'll see if they're able to do that once the postseason rolls around. Today's a very big day on the sports calendar. Outside of baseball, I will be tuning into the Chicago White Sox versus Oakland Athletics game tonight. Dylan Cease on the mound. But there's football tonight, too. And the Buffalo Bills are going to take on the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams are the defending Super Bowl champion. And the Bills are, in a lot of people's opinion, the Super Bowl favorite. I personally think they're the two best teams in the NFL as of right now going into the season. Don't clown me in December if it doesn't end up being the case. Going into the season, my perception is that both of them are the two best teams in the NFL. I don't think either of them are going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. That's not how best team works. Um, I can't remember the last time the two teams I thought were the best two played each other in week one opening game. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities for best team playing best team. And it just doesn't feel like it happens every year because of the sca- you don't play everyone. Like there wasn't a, it's not a lock that you play. If you're the best AFC team, there's not a lock. You play the best NFC team. The schedules could just be on off years. And this year it happened to work out where they were able to get the bills in Los Angeles to raise the banner and kick off the NFL season. There is going to be a very elite team. Oh, and one. And that's, that's the beauty of it. And so many people are leaning bills in this game on the road. I'm starting to kind of, I predicted the Bills yesterday on Bar Down Talking Hockey. Today, I'm thinking about throwing some change on the Rams. I just have a – I woke up today with an epiphany. Like yesterday, I was all in on the Buffalo Bills winning this game. All in. And now I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I kind of think the Rams are going to win. And – ah. I know it's a weird thought, like who changes their opinion? That Like I've gone in all summer, you know, the first game of the season's Bills versus Rams. I'm like, oh, I think the Bills are going to win. You start watching training camp. Oh, yeah, I think the Bills are going to win. Oh, preseason. Yeah, I think the Bills are, I, I think the Bills are going to win. Day one, Thursday morning, I open my eyeballs. I'm like, Rams. So either past Vinny is going to be correct or today's Vinny is going to be correct. But I think the Rams are going to win tonight, and they're going to raise their banner proudly. And 
that's just the way it is. So I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. Nick Morowski is an outstanding guest. We went over the White Sox with him. We did the Shohei Otani versus Aaron Judge conversation. And then we even got to the Chicago Cubs a little bit today, even though the conversation surrounding them is going to become a lot more interesting again once it is officially the offseason. I have a couple. I know we've done a lot of Chicago White Sox guests lately. Those Cubs conversation has still always been there. Pretty much equal time. Um, but this week there's just not much to say. Like the Cubs are just waiting for the season to be over. The White Sox are hoping to make it into the playoffs and we'll do playoff Sox if they make it or off season Cubs. If when they don't, if the Sox don't make it, then we'll just fully go into the off season and cover the, the playoffs without a Chicago team, which would really suck. But I don't, I'm not sure that that's going to be the case, but we will see. Um, to everybody in the chat, Skyler specifically, I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. I hope everybody enjoys the NFL season kicking off. By the time we speak next, every team in the league will have an official record. And the Chicago Bears take on the San Francisco 49ers this weekend. I think they are going to get killed. People are feeling optimistic about it. Oh, I think the 49ers, this is a trap game for them. Trey Lance, not too sure about him. Could put Trey Lance's grandma back there and she would beat the Bears with that 49ers roster. Who's going to stop Joey Bosa? Or Nick Bosa, whichever one's on the Charger or on the 49ers. I get them confused all the time. They're both a-holes off the field. But they're both elite. Elite. And, yeah, I don't know. I can't really. uh... Yeah, Skylar says staying with my weird upset Bears pick. Uh, I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right. I want the Bears to win. No matter what, I criticize them a lot. I poo-poo them a lot. I want the Bears to win. I don't think they will. Not only do I not think they're going to win, I don't even think they're going to cover, personally. Uh, I Honestly, I'm thinking blowout for San Francisco. I hope I'm wrong. Chop up this video. Put it on Twitter. Make fun of me. Call me an asshole. I'm here for it if they lose. But I, it's just a feeling I have. I don't think that it's going to even be a competitive game. I almost have it as a lock for me. Uh, I'm not making it my pick for the week. I believe in my pick them. You pick one team a week and then you can't pick them ever again. I think my pick this week is going to be the Baltimore Ravens. I like that game playing the New York Jets. A Zach Wilson list New York Jets. But I'll, I'll probably tweet what I end up picking with that. So make sure you keep it with me at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. Of course, make sure you follow all the great football, baseball, hockey programming going on here at the Barroom Network. I'll be back with the South Burbs Hitman on Monday night with Lamont Pope. As our guest, talking White Sox baseball next Wednesday will be another Wednesday close to the National Hockey League season. Frank and I will go over any NHL news and notes that happen between now and then. And then, of course, recap what happened this week in the NFL. And I'm so very excited for it. As always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing.